said a lot of nice things in the last several years. So, um, all right, all right. So, um, we're we're gonna we're gonna continue on. So we we got a couple of more. Um, we're, we got a couple of more weeks in this uh, to work through this hurried life deal that we've been been working on and and just really um, we've been looking at what it means to prioritize a life that is in a in a world where where there's very little rest what that actually means in the context of Jesus Christ and so we looked at Matthew chapter number 11 if you want to take your Bible you can go there that's kind of that's, it's kind of been the launching point for everything we we've done. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do like a a, 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 a kind of a an overview of the whole thing, and then I, I've got a couple more things I want to say tonight, and and kind of wind this thing up. I got one more that I think we're gonna do next week on um, on Jesus, and there there's at least nine places. There's at least nine places in your Bible to where you can find Jesus Christ going off into a solitary place by himself like like nine places and there's several of those places that he did it in the midst of a lot of good things going on right it, it's it's real funny um when we see a lot of good things going on the last thing we want to do is disrupt that with quiet time apart uh, coming apart with the lord and that's exactly what Jesus Christ did with his father. Like in the middle of all the healing, in the middle of all the supernatural things going on, Jesus leaves those people. And the disciples came to Jesus, and we'll work through some more of this next week, but the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, there's a lot of people out here. And you know what Jesus says? All right, let's, let's get ready and go to the next city. Like he is not concerned with a lot of people. Why? Well, because he has, he's on a mission at the moment. But but it's not it's it's it, it, I don't know it's weird how we are. It's weird how we are in terms of we're and some of us aren't this way, but we always want to work to fulfill obligations that that we make that we know we can't fill. And 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 I think it's I think it's interesting. That's why we're that's why we're a society that that unintentionally lets people down on a regular basis. That's why it's hard to find faithful men. Because you got so many people committed, and we're going to end on this note tonight. But you got so many people committed that have committed themselves to so many other things, they don't have an opportunity to fulfill the obligation, their first obligation to Jesus Christ. And so what they do is they let the church down, and they, that's why that's why you find you know where you know where you find the biggest flakes at on church pews. They're not out in the world. They're on church pews, man. Why? Because this is the la this is the low rung on the totem pole. Does that make sense? Like this is the lowest rung. Everything else is taking priority, and the and the church is really the lowest thing. It's not. It, it, it's 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 it, you know it's not highest priority. So what happens? Well, you you find you and it, I know you've probably seen it, but there's more. There's been people that's flowed in here and. They bounced in here and they bounced out just as fast as they bounced in, right? But but I, I want to show you a couple things that I've seen from uh, from the Bible, and, and we'll and I got six things uh, that uh, six high points that we hit through this thing. Uh, Matthew chapter number eleven, Matthew chapter number eleven. 
He says, come unto me, we're going to look in verse 28, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, what, what is that word? I'll give you what? Rest, okay? So the promise here is that when you come to Jesus, he'll give you rest, all right? Take my yoke upon you, and, and yoke is usually, a yoke is usually something you work with, and he says, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find what? Rest under your what? Souls. Rest under your souls. Why? Well, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Right? All right? So, so, so I, I'll make sure you get this. And you say, well, this is talking about people coming to Jesus. It is. But are we not intentionally supposed to be coming to Jesus all the time? Like every day we should come to Jesus. All right? So what happens when I come to Jesus? Well, if the promise of Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30 is true, then when I do that, I find rest for my soul. So Jesus, the product of coming to Jesus Christ is rest. Does that make sense? The product of coming to Christ is rest. All right? What, why, why is that such a big deal? Well, the society that you and I live in is, is so enamored by busyness. By, man, ain't it something, uh, and look, I, I fell in this trap years ago, but ain't it something uh, the men that you talk to, uh, that their, their big thing in life is how many hours a week they work? Ain't that crazy? Well, I you know, son, if it, when I was your age, I worked 80 hours a week. And, and you know, nine times out of ten, if you go back to that man's life at that point in time and you look at his life and you see those 80 hours a week that he worked, you know what you'll find? You'll find a family somewhere that didn't have a husband, that didn't have a father. That's what you'll find. And God never called me to forsake my wife nor my, nor my children for an 80-hour week job. Amen? All right? So, 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 so what society's done is it's taught us that, that, that we don't need rest as long as we have this abundance of labor. But, but I want you, 1 Timothy, and you just listen to this, and I'm just going to read one verse. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6 says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment. That's not, that. what is that? That's not 80 hours a week. Right? What is that? That's godliness and that's contentment. Okay? Um, I said this, and I think this is worth repeating. You know, uh, Satan, you remember Job chapter number 1? Um, God gave permission to, to Job uh, to take to take some things from Job. He, he, he took his family, right? Um, he took his friends. He took his finances. And then he took his health. He took all those things away from Job. And you, you, you know what? It was Job's wife. And, and look, I don't know whether she said it out of arrogance or pity. I don't know whether it was... I don't know whether it was a heart of wickedness or a heart of weakness that Job's wife spoke. But Job's wife, out of one of the two hearts, spoke, uh, just go ahead and curse God and die. 
Just go and curse him and die. You know how it goes. He's, you know, he says, well, you know, we're not going to do that. Well, you know, the one thing that Job did was take all the things from Job. Uh, that Satan did was take all the things from Job. And Job didn't, didn't fall prey to that. What did he do? He still worshipped the Lord. Well, you know what I think? I think Satan learned from Job. I, say, I think Satan learned from Job. And now instead of taking things from men, he's giving things to men. Instead of taking things from men to hurt them, he's giving things to men to hurt them. Why? Well, because that's the way it works with us. That's why Laodicea is rich and increased with goods, and they don't have need of anything. They have need of nothing. Um, our pace is, is just out of control. Our pace of life is out of control uh, and if and if we compare our pace to the pace of, uh, and, and look, you may say that's old, antiquated, and outdated, but but hear me out. If you compared the pace of life that we live in right now to the pace of Christ's life, this, there there would hardly be any similarities there, right? Uh, we we would just it, there. Jesus was never in a rush. Jesus did not. Uh, he didn't cater to the demands of this world. He was never overwhelmed with life, so to speak, like we are on a regular basis. Man, there is more people popping pills because life is just too fast. And all they need to do is slow down a little bit. Uh, how about this? Jesus was one of the most productive people to ever set foot on this planet, and yet he was never in a hurry. Think about that. Jesus Christ changed the world, and He was never in a hurry. You, and and make make sure make sure you get it. When, when I'm what I'm trying to say is, hurry isn't from God. Hurry is not from God. Uh, Carl Jung said, "Hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil." And and we're so concerned. We're we're, we're obsessed. What what is that term? Uh, the 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 term that they use, I said it here before and I don't forgot it, where everybody always wants to be up, huh, it's got it real bad, where everybody wants to be up in the, yeah, FOMO, the fear of miss, missing out. Want to be up in everybody's stuff all the time. You know what I mean? Just got to be here, got to be there. Got, and, and, and what it is, culture's obsession with having to be in that place all the time, it's costing us. It's not a scheduling problem. It's really a heart problem. Well, I can't slow down. I'm just not wired like that. Man, listen, listen. Be, be, be really careful when you say that. Be really careful when you say, I can't do this or I can't do that. Because most of the time, it's not a I can't, it's I won't. It's not a I can't do this or I can't do that, it's I won't. The We're all paying a price for a hurried life, Right? We all realize that, right? We're all paying the price, whether we realize it or not. Every single person will pay the price for that. So there's six things. There's six things uh, that that I jotted down that I feel like would would be uh, really good for us to get within our spirit. Number one, a hurried life destroys your relationship with God. A hurried life destroys your relationship with God. 
um, intimacy with the Lord is going to require stillness. It's going to require you and me to be attentive. It's going to require you and me to, to believe it or not, spend some time in silence. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's this idea of what I was saying before. Jesus frequently removed himself from the crowd to spend time alone in prayer and in solitude with the Lord. Jesus received strength from this. And, and, and it's, it's crazy. It's got to speak to our spirit when we hear it. It's got it. We, we got to be able to let the Holy Ghost work this out in our mind and say, God is, is, is the. Because here's, here's how this goes there's a connection that you and me have at times with the Lord, and you know it's super close and it's super intense. And then there's these other times where you feel like God's a million miles away. You know that feeling? You know that season where you're like, holy Moses, this is the worst time of my life. You need to back off from that and you might have to ask yourself, why, what is destroying my relationship with God right now? Is it hurry? Is it Because it, with, with a, a life full of hurry, with a life with no time set apart of the Lord, you become irritable. You become anxious, you become frustrated, you become hard-hearted, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but number two, number two is this. A hurried life decreases your capacity to love others. A hurried life decreases your capacity to love others. Why is that? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, Charity suffereth long. You know one of the hardest things to do when you're in a hurry? Be long-suffering. You ain't got time to be long-suffering with nobody. You ain't got time to be kind to nobody when you're long-suffering. No, it's usually ground and pound. Shut up. We got to do this. We ain't got time to talk, right? Everybody know what I'm talking about, Ron? Like, just, just quit talking. Be quiet. We, nobody's got time to, 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 to deal with this right now. So I, I, what it does, though, is, is it causes me not to be able to love other people the way God has called me to love other people. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, number three, a hurried life increases the power of temptation. Of temptation. Why does a hurried life increase the power of temptation? Well, because we live in a microwave society. Right? We live in a microwave society. That's why pornography is such a big deal right now. It's so easy. It's a microwavable high. The, the and I, I've been I've been studying a lot of a lot of the effects as as uh, recently of uh, of pornography for the for the sheer reason that lost people are figuring out that it's bad for you. The lost world, like like the the I listen to some dudes uh, do some podcasts on uh, training and all this stuff. And, and, and they're actually, they're, what they used to be enthralled with, with pornography, now they're figuring out that pornography is actually manipulating men and women's minds to an altered life that is absolutely not true at all. But what happens is the, and, 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 and look, I'm, I'm not trying to get all weird on you, the dopamine levels that are released from a cell phone or a computer from that kind of interaction, what happens is, is, is they're figuring out that that's an easy way, that's an easy escape 
when temptation comes your way. That's an easy escape to fall into a place to where you can have the, the, the dopamine hit that you want to make your body feel good for that moment in time, right? Well, here's what happens. The moment you quit spending time with the Lord, the moment that you stay in a, in a constant hurry, a constant go, a constant, I ain't got time to spend time with the Lord, here's what happens. The moment temptation comes, well, let's microwave it up real quick. It's easy to get to. And it's, just, it's not just pornography. It's a lot of things. But anything that we can microwave, well, that's a no-brainer, Right? Anything that we can instant, gratifi instant gratification, well, that's a no-brainer. I mean, it goes so much further. Instant gratification goes everywhere. You know, that's why it's, it, it's extremely hard to have a, uh, have a lifestyle of good, healthy choices on, with a menu in the world that we live in, that the menu has been created such as it's been created. That's a hard thing. Why? Well, because everything that's good... Really, it tastes really, really good. It's not really, really good for you. Unless you just like, unless you're just, you know, unless you're just weird. You just, you know, you'd rather eat carrots than anything else in life, you know. You'd, you'd rather just eat a piece of dry chicken. I mean, Lord help us. We, we, may, we may be in real trouble if that's us. But what I'm saying is, I'm going to choose I'm going to choose a loaded out pizza. If I'm just choosing we're going to choose a I'm going to choose a loaded out pizza and a in a in a in a big gulp with with a coke in it. Over, you know, a sweet potato and, you know, piece of chicken. That's just me. I mean, there's probably a lot of us in here. Justin, he's going to choose two loaded out pizzas. He's going to eat both of them. Because he's got a, a stomach that I don't know where all the food goes. God's miraculously gave him something that he didn't give the rest of us. It's, it's an amazing size. I only say it because I'm envious uh, that Justin is still the size that he is, and I'm the size that I am. Uh, so, so uh, yeah. Well, what is that? Well, it's instant gratification. It's harder to stay on a diet, right? It's just harder. The world we live in, it's just harder. Number four, a hurried life numbs you from the uh, numbs you to the injustices that break God's heart. A hurried life numbs you to the injustices that break God's heart. Hurry has a way to desensitize you. It'll 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 literally cause you to not be able to enjoy the moments of intimacy with the Lord. It moves you in a in a fast play fast paced uh, society. Uh, number five, uh, a hurried life increases legalism. A hurried life increases legalism. Now, why is that? Well, because it's easier to look godly than be godly. It's way easier to look godly than be godly. <laughs> you don't know how many people would rather look godly and know about God than know God. 
There's more people trying to know about God. Well, I know about this and I know about that. And what is it? It's superficial religion. It's surface level religion. It's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, I compare it to, uh, to marriage. You know, there's, there's such thing as, as uh, uh, superficialness, if that's even a word, amongst marriages. And it's only surface level. And you know, you know about a person that you're married to, but you don't actually know the person that you're married to. Does that make sense? And, and why, why is that such a big deal? Because information increases knowledge, and then knowledge, if, if it's not coupled with a heart of transformation, then it, it leads to legalism. Um, there's a price to pay for legalist, legalism and legalistic mindsets and, and just laying out rules without actually knowing God. And, and, and we, don't, we don't have time to go into all that. But I'll say this, it's easier to be really fast-paced, to live in a life that doesn't have a time of, of Bible reading nor a time set aside to, to get, get alone with the Lord. It's easier to be legalistic and very narrow-minded. Uh, it's easier to be that and do that than it is get to know God on a, on a personal level. And then number six, number six, a hurried life clouds your purpose and diminishes your passion. A hurried life clouds your purpose and diminishes your passion. Uh, you know, we, we hear it all the time. Um, you know, your purpose in life, this and that. But we, we know we, we've got our purpose laid out from, from the Word of God. So, so there's that. Um, but but I do, I do want to say this. God's idea of purpose is not about doing. God's idea of purpose is not about doing. What, 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 what do you mean it ain't about doing? He told us to go. Yeah, well, here, here's, here's what God's idea about our purpose is. It's about becoming. It's not about what you do. The question really is, who are you becoming? That's why discipleship was never supposed to be about what you do. It was never supposed to be about meeting and doing lessons. It was supposed to be about meeting and what you're becoming. Amen? Does that make sense? It is, a, it, is the, it is the craziest thing to me. And this is coming from a dude that was lost for 24 years. But it is, it is one of the most idiotic things to me. To me, it's one of the most ignorant things that you could ever do would be to come and sit on the church pew week after week, year after year, and not be bothered that you hadn't become something different. I just could If that was me, honest before the Lord, I'd go back to drinking. Really. That's what I'd do. Why? Well, because, because I, I, there's no way I could buy into that. But when I, when I bought into God making me something else, when I understood that that was God's plan for my life, God was going to make me something else. I was going to become something else. And when I become something else, guess what? I'm going to do something else. I'm not going to do something and, and, and then automatically start becoming. No, I become something and then I do something. And so I, 
I, I say this, a hurried life, man, it will diminish your purpose and your, pa- and your passion. Um, God, God is not impressed with exhaustion. God, God's, not, God's not impressed with, with burnout. God, God ain't impressed with, 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 with men that's burnt out over their lives. I, I'm I, for those of you that haven't. I need to get the stat from uh, from the podcast. For those of you that haven't listened to Kenny Morgan's uh, new podcast, new new uh, podcast with Brandon Briscoe on the postscript, you you need to take an hour, forty five minutes, or an hour of your life, and you need to listen to it. Speed it up like I do. Put it on one point five. I can't I can't hear it on two. I. I have to go to one. I tried it on two before, and I'm like, my mind don't compute that fast. Uh, but it does sit with me on, on 1.5 at least. I worried about it actually getting in my soul at that point. But but he said they uh, there was a, a group that I, I want to say it was 248 pastors, and every one of them pastors that fell admitted to not having a quiet time with the Lord. 248 of them. Every one of them, they all fell. Guess what they fell into? Starts with an A. Adultery. Every single one of them. Every one of them gave in to the sin of the flesh. They gave in to adultery. Now, now mind you, it probably started with pornography. But men just don't jump into adultery most of the time. It starts out in other places. But, but the, the point I'm trying to, to over-exaggerate at the moment is that rest is essential for your body, for your soul, and your spirit. And the society that we live in, the secular society that we live in, it's so fast-paced, man, it's made it into the, into the church. The world has infiltrated the church, and, and, and now we got people... And fortunately, hey, we're we're balancing it out around here. We're we're doing we're doing a pretty decent job at balancing it out about around here. But but people uh people for years. I mean, I've been wa- I've been watching church members burn out for years. I mean, just just have so much on their plate, and everybody else watch them have stuff on their plate. Uh, Miss Miss Candace got a great idea. All of us going to get together here soon about uh, another ministry outlet that's going to allow more people to be able to be hands-on and, and do more things that are going to keep other people from burning out. Why is that such a big deal? Because we don't need nobody burning out. It's just, listen, I think one of the most wise things that we could do, I think the, I think the calendar for Awana is wise. Why? I think it needs to be, an, I think there needs to be an off time. I think there needs to be a couple, uh, to, you know, two, two and a half months off. Why? Well, everybody likes it on. Well, you see, here, here's what everybody won't tell you. Everybody might not might like it that way, might like it when it's going. Give, give them about two weeks, a little bit of rest, a little bit of ease, no anxiousness. You know what? Come September, August, you know how geared up everybody will be ready to go back to back to Awana? Like you'll be ready to you'll be ready to charge all over again. Why? Well, because we need that time period. Okay. So, 
so I ask myself the question, or, you know, would you be the person that says, uh, you know, the only rest that you need is serving Jesus? I would say that you're, you're probably not a truth seeker if that's what you would say. Why? Because that's not real rest. Why, why, why is that? Well, b- because that's a, that's a farce statement. That's a farce. You can't make that statement and be a truth seeker. Why? Because sometimes serving Jesus is extremely tiring, tiresome. So I have committed to things over this last year in terms of serving Jesus that have about wore me to the bone. And I'm going to take some time off this summer, and we're we're going to I'm going to enjoy my family, and I'm going to say hallelujah for it, and and we're going to let people at this church minister in their gifts and their callings, and we're going to say hallelujah for that. Amen. Um, why? Because it's not a bad thing. Uh, it's not a bad thing to rest. It's not a bad thing to unplug and get away. Co- um, Corey Ten Boom. She once said, "If the devil can make you sin, it can't make you sin. He'll make you busy." There's some truth in that. Dallas Willard said this, Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Um, one, one old writer said it like this, Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. I don't know if I told you this, this story or not, but at 1879, the light bulb was invented. 1879, the light bulb was invented, and it changed, it changed society. Uh, people used to go to bed when, when, guess what, when it got dark. That's when people used to go to bed, and people got up when, when what? When the sun came up. Now, prior uh, to the invention of, of, uh, of the light bulb and electricity, the average person, are you ready for this? The average person slept... 11 hours a day. 11. Nowadays, if people are good and they're healthy and they're prioritizing sleep, they get about 7 hours. They get about 7 hours a day. Why is that, why is that such a big deal? It just tells you, man, guess what? We're busier than we've ever been. June of 2007, the first iPhone hit the market. Man, it feels like that thing has been around like forever. And, and I mean, it feels like it was longer than 2007. But now, today, June 2007, first iPhone came out. Somebody make it take a wild guess at how many times a day the average person touches their phone screen. 2,600. 2,600 times a day, the average person touches their phone screen. From 2007 till now, this dude right here has became a thing that you can't live without. It's not all, phones are not all bad, right? They're not bad, but they're, they're, they're addicting. 
they can be very addicting. They can rob you from your most valuable resource. What's that? Time. Time is no doubt your most valuable resource. Why? Because we're running out of it. You came in here and we started at 7. We're going to be an hour less of time when we get out of this place. Why? Well, because we're running out of it. We're running out of the most valuable and precious thing that God gave us on the planet. And, and look, I, I, you know, I have to delete stuff to keep from messing with it. Man, my, the greatest enemy on this stinking phone is Facebook Marketplace. Just, just hunting up a stinking deal. Like, like I, I just, I'm like, Lord, I'm, I got to delete Facebook. I just got to delete it. I don't care what I don't care what everybody's doing no more. Like I used to be like really worried about what everybody was doing. Now I'm like I don't give a crap what they do. Like just let them do whatever they want to. I don't care. Like they can say whatever they want to say, do whatever they want to do. I ain't got time for that. I do have time for a good deal though. Like I have time to find a good deal. Uh, I, I I don't find many, and and, and when I do, I, I try to jump on them. But 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 here here it is. It can be a good tool, but it can also be very addicting, right? So why would we need rest from, from doing good things like serving the Lord? If you're laboring for the Lord, it, you know, the question may be asked, is it really labor? Well, well, Galatians 6, 9 says it like this, and let us not be weary in well-doing. Let us not be weary in well-doing, uh, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If we faint not. Think about, think about studying. Think about just uh, somebody that takes a lot of time uh, studying, preparing messages and, 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 and lessons and, uh, you know, what, what, what have you. Ecclesiastes says a lot of this. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12. And further, by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Now, I, I, I told you I want to I close right here. Um, I, I want I want to talk about j just for a minute. How long do I got? I got ten minutes. About ordering priorities, about simplifying life, and about trying to figure out how to eliminate some hurry and define rest in Christ. Now the challenge would then be. What are some things in my life that I'm doing that I've got to evaluate? And, 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 and are those pursuits that I'm involved in in life, are they, are they paying off? Are they paying off in my life or are they taking from my life? Now, now everybody, everything is going to take something. What you've got to figure out is the margin. You've got to figure out what you're going to have left over after it's took from you. Because you, you can be spent, and the Apostle Paul was spent for many, right? We should spend ourselves for people, but it should be when we spend ourselves, those people that we spend ourselves for, guess what? They should be reproducers. Does that make sense? It means that you're not always spending your time on people that aren't going to reproduce. Well, isn't, your, isn't it your job to spend your time on people? Uh, 
it was the Apostle Paul that told Timothy, Timothy to teach faithful men that may be able to teach others also. What does that mean? Well, the implication of the context is don't teach unfaithful men. They're not going to teach others. Don't waste all your time on people that are not going to be faithful. So then you, you say, all right, so I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to figure out how to eliminate things that are causing me hurry that have that they're not giving me any rest. And let me say this. When you don't have any rest, husbands and wives especially, when they don't have any rest, when they have no time for Jesus Christ, they're, the great indicator is this. They usually have no time for each other. They usually have no time for themselves. And, a, and, a, and, a, and, to, and, and spouses that have no time for themselves, they are in danger of great sin. Number one, uh, they're not fulfilling their obligations to each other. And, and, then, and then number two, um, you, you, you can't picture who Jesus Christ is in your relationship without intimacy. It's just how it works. And so you, you, you cannot actually be the picture that God wants you to be. And so, so when, you, when, when, when two spouses are all the time in a hurry, they, listen, we've got to figure out a way to eliminate that. We got to figure out what's right and what's wrong. What's got to be taken out? What can be put in? And then what? What are we pursuing? What are we chasing? What's real and what's ain't? What ain't? One, one writer said this: Our greatest fear should not be failure, but succeeding at things in life that don't matter. We should never be afraid to fail. We ought to be afraid to succeed in junk that just don't matter. Right? So there's, there's a guy, a um, group of business students. And, and, and you, you may have heard this story put in a different way, but it's definitely got a different spin on it. And he used the illustration. And Jordan's, Jordan's used this before. She's, me and her have talked about this same illustration before. Uh, the man stood in front of a, a group of uh, really high-powered overachievers, type A kind of personalities, and, and he says, all right, it's, it's time for everybody in the room to take out a quiz. So he, he pulls out a one-gallon wide-mouth mason jar. He sits on the table in front of them. Then he, he, he produces about a dozen fist-sized si rocks, and he places all those rocks down in that mason jar one at a time. He fits those rocks in that mason jar. And when the mason jar was filled to the top and there's no more rocks fit inside, he asked, he asked everyone in the class, is the jar full? And you may, have seen, you may have seen something similar to this. And they all said, yeah. And he says, no, not, not really. He pulls out a bucket of, of small gravel. And he starts pouring that gravel down in, into, that, into, that, uh, into that mason jar. And he... He kind of shook it around, and that his gravel pieces started falling down, and they started working themselves between the big rocks. And by this time, all those really high-powered overachievers, they were on to him. They figured out uh, something was going on. So he asked uh, again. He says, the jar full? By this time, they all, yeah, probably not. So then he pulls out a, a jar of sand, and he pours that sand down in there, and, and, uh, and he starts dumping the sand. He starts shaking it around a little bit, and... 
uh, and all of, the, all of the sand fell down between the rocks and the gravel. And so he asked the question one more time, is the jar full? Class shouted, no, it's not full. He said, good. Then he grabs a pitcher of water and he fills that mason jar all the way to the brim with that pitcher of water. One of, uh, he asked the question is, he said, what, is, the jar, is the jar full now? And they said, yeah, the jar is finally full. He asked a question, he said, what is the point of this illustration? One of, the, one of, these, one of these boys jumped up, hand in the air, and he says, the point is no matter how full your schedule is, if you try really, really hard, you can always fit some more things in. That's where most people fall. What would you say, though? What would you, what would you say? What would you say? If I asked you the question, what would you say in here? What would you say the point of this whole thing is? What is the point of the illustration for you? Man, I sat there and pondered that thought, and I'm like, well, I, I don't know, I guess I guess it wasn't full. Maybe life just looked full. That's what I come up with. Well, maybe life just looks full with all those rocks in it. Now i got to figure out a way to, to, to make sure it stays filled. I, I don't know. Maybe there's some places in my own, that's what I come up with. Maybe there's some places in my own soul that, that wasn't filled. You know, I'm, I'm trying to do all this stupid stuff. Teacher sets up and says, That's not the point. The truth that the illustration's teaching is that if you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in at all. You hear, you hear what the mason jar is saying? What are the big rocks in your life? What are the big rocks? If you was to go home right now and you had to sit down with, with you had to sit down with a pen and a piece of paper, maybe you do this in the morning. You sit down with a pen and a piece of paper and say, What are the big rocks? Yeah, yeah, what what are they? Or is it is it is it is it some is it some project you want to accomplish? Is it, is it time with your family members? Is it your faith in Jesus? Is it your education? Is it your money? Is it, is it, is it a cause? Is it, is, it, is it discipleship? What are the big rocks? Because here it is. You ready? If the big rocks don't come first, they'll never come at all. You can't just all of a sudden fill your life up with all the stuff. And then one day come around and say, Oh man, I, I forgot to put the big rocks in. I forgot my family. I forgot this. I, I forgot my church. I forgot that I was supposed to be leading others. I forgot that I was supposed to, re, uh, to replicate myself. I was supposed to reproduce myself. I forgot that there's nobody else to do what I do. I 
I forgot that, that my spouse was supposed to be the, the most important relationship on this planet outside Jesus Christ. Forgot that. I forgot that, man, my first job in life as a father is to raise my kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That my father, my fatherhood on this earth is directly impacting how they see their father in heaven. I forgot that. You see, when you figure out what's, what's truly important, Focus on those things, the big rocks. Prioritize and simplify some stuff. Prioritize and, 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 and you know what? It's okay to say no sometimes. I've figured out in the last couple of years, nobody's going to die if I don't answer the phone. Like, it took me a long time to figure that out, too. I, you know, I know that's really stupid, and it sounds dumb to you, but, but it took me a long time to figure out, man, they're, they're not going to die if I don't answer the phone. If they are, they should have called 911. That ain't my fault. Figure out what big rocks are. Prioritize that. You say, you know what? When I get in the judgment seat, it ain't going to be about the little stuff. It's going to be about them big rocks. I get the judgment seat. If my kids ain't first in line behind me, man, I'm going to be a sad dude. No matter how many more people line up behind me, if my kids aren't the first ones behind me. I, I just don't know that I'll be able to deal with it. It don't matter. The old preacher said, man, what? You going you gonna, to you gonna win the whole world and lose your own family? Not me. Not I. Well, that's what we're supposed to win the world. You ought to win the world that lives in, under your house, under your roof, first. Everybody's worried about winning the world, and they forget that they got a church under their roof. They're getting on social media and putting these, these stinking posts up, acting like they're super saints or something, and the people that they live with, they know, they know who they are. It's disgusting. Amen? Let's do some, maybe some serious soul searching. Simplify a few things. Ask the Lord to help us. Let's come to Jesus for some rest. Next week, I want to look at, I want to look at those places. Um, are we, we are, are we having church next week? Are we, are we doing, are we supposed to do something different? I had on my calendar something different. I had uh, the family night next week. 